Welcome to Meet the Musician Family of the Year at the Apple Store Kurfürstendamm. Please welcome our guest moderator, Ari Stein. Welcome to the Apple Store Kurfürstendamm. We're going to be talking to Family of the Year, but before we do that, I wanted to play their single hero, the video clip. Absolutely gorgeous song. Please welcome to the stage Joseph, Sebastian, Christina, and James, Family of the Year. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Hi. How are you doing? Good. You feeling good? 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. So what an incredibly beautiful song, so genuine and sensitive. I think I want to kick it off by asking you, what's the story behind that specific video clip and the cowboy and the rodeo and stuff? Um, the story behind it? Yeah. Uh, well, the, we just, us and the director came up with the concept mm-hmm. of, uh, I think actually the director was the one who came up with the concept of having it, having it be a bullfighter. And so he went on loca- looking for locations for the video and happened to find this ranch in California. And the guy who owned it happened to have a son who was kind of epitomized what we were looking for in the lead character, which was he, he had he'd been a bull rider since he was young. And he had a long, young daughter. He'd been, he'd been uh, you know, through a lot of tough times. And so he, so he was cast as the lead and they shot it on his ranch. It's like actually like a full true story. Wow. Yeah. Wow, it's beautiful. So if I was to just step back a little bit, so to get people a little bit known about you for all those that some of you don't, 2009 was the year that your first album came out, Songbook. And then I'm aware that you guys went on to play, up until this date, about 600 shows, which is roughly the number (laughs) I've been told, which is, I think, absolutely incredible. So you guys are probably the hardest working band in music. Oh, I wouldn't no, say no, like no. think so. That's a little exactly. <laughs> Maybe, well. <laughs> a lot of bands work that hard, but we, we have played a lot of shows. We, for a long time, didn't turn down a show. Played as many as we possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to get out there and... I mean, you have to, in the States, you have to play a lot of, like, I mean... There's, there's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. There you know? is. So yeah. we did... 50 we, states. Yep. And we did, we've done, like, all the major cities, and we did all the small towns as well, and we played in Europe a lot, so... Yeah, we've done a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. What do you learn about yourself if you're playing that much as a band and individually? Wow. Uh, you learn how to get along. <laughs> and <you> learn, <laughs> or not to. You learn how to get out of each other's way. You know when to push and pull. I don't know, right? You, get, you just get to know people like, uh, like, like a family. Mm-hmm. Not to use that word, but you know. It really it's is a bad kinda, word. It's a bad word. <laughs> Why is it a bad word? <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Um, well, I think you also learn to live, like, when you be on the road that long, you kind of um, learn to live with a little, like, one, you know, live, you have one suitcase. Mm-hmm. That's what you live with for a whole year. So you kind of learn how to rely on each other for um, entertainment, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, you realize you need a lot less things. Like, <laughs> yeah. the things that, like, that used to matter, like, material things even, like, mm-hmm. they're, you realize how unimportant they are. Because you kind of, sorry, James. No, I was just going to say, um, and also performance-wise, it's interesting to, you know, when you uh, get together and you first start playing, then you see how much better of a band you are after, you know, two or three years on the road. It's pretty incredible. Just playing that much. But I, I find that touring is uh, a little microcosm of, you know, it's a totally different reality. But as you said, like, you don't take as much material things with you. So you learn to live in a totally different environment. Am I not right? Like, if you're in an extended period of time as well on the road. Yeah, well, you're in a bar every night, <laughs> which is like, you know, not exactly, you know. Healthy environment. Or, yeah, a healthy choice. But I mean, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a trip. Cool. So the single St. Croix, um, another gorgeous song. You write all the songs? We, we collaborate. We collaborate. Some of them are almost finished. I, I'll work on something by myself and get it almost finished and then bring mm. it to the band. But St. Croix is actually, um, 
one that we all wrote together, just sat around. I think we had the guitar part, and then mm. um, we all worked on the lyrics together. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful collaborative effort because what I noticed listening to the album is that it goes through such a range of emotions. Like you'll listen to Hero and it'll be so genuine and sensitive and you'll just want to cry. And then you'll listen to some choir and it'll be like, want to jump on your bed. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what's going on? The range um, of emotions there. It's like bipolar crazy. maybe. You're bipolar. <laughs> yeah, bipolar. Being no, on the road does make you crazy. <laughs> yeah. You have to live vicariously through other people. And that's what, the, that's what a song is kind of based on Jamesy's um, adventure he was about to take to the island. Saint Croix. Is that how you say it here? Saint, oh, I call it Saint Croix. Well, we Where Saint, exactly we, we is that? We say Saint Croix in America, yeah. but it's, it's in the Caribbean. It's in the because you talk about the Caribbean, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about experiences and the influence of your songs as well. I know that one experience was very important to uh, the album, or at least the history, and it sounded pretty horrible. But maybe you can recount a bit of the tale, which was having a home invasion robbery. Tied up, stolen, mm. car money. Yeah, that was absolutely horrible. That, that was right before, I guess we were writing our first, it was, it was before the album was written and I was, I was living in an apartment and then I got, and I got I, someone came, in, came into my house and tied me and my girlfriend at the time up. God. Yeah, it was super scary and absolutely weird. Never thought it would ever happen to me like that. Um, I hadn't really talked about it much, to be honest with you, um, in public, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, I got out of it okay, but they did take everything from me. Uh, and it took me a little while to get feeling normal again. And uh, things hadn't been exactly wonderful before that, so it was kind of like, that was like the, the last, the last kind of strike I wanted to take. So it was, we all kind of came together and made this record and, you know. So that was before the record was made? Yeah. So what were your reactions to that story when you heard it? Must have been I terrified was, for him. I was living with him at the time, and I had a dream the night before that someone had come in and stolen my computer. Really? And I saw the person in my dream walk by the window, and I, I felt weird about it for some reason, and I put my computer, it's like the only thing I had that was like worth anything, put my computer um, in my closet for some reason. And I was at work, and I get a phone call, and I didn't answer the phone for some reason because I had a weird feeling. And it was his girlfriend's mom calling me. And I just, like, knew something was wrong. And I went back, and I immediately my boss came with me, and I just saw, like, their, their hands were, like, still, like, uh, you know, you got tied up with Xbox Ransom, cables. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I was just, like, I, it was they just crazy. Xbox cables? Xbox mic microphone. From uh, rock band. Rock band. Wow. Ironic. <laughs> but it was it was just I wasn't there for it. But to come home and you, your house is just like a mess, and to see my friends like, mm. oh, it was crazy. Did you? Um, it's probably the easiest way to say. It. Did you channel any of that energy into the songwriting? I mean, that must have had um, a whole bunch of experiences, but. Yeah, I mean, there's the one song "Diversity" on the record, which is kind of like a, you know, I can't like I can't let anything get to me. I felt, I mean, I'm, you know, get through something like that really made me. There, I did have like a new, uh, I felt like I had a new lease on life and I had a second chance because it could have gone the other way. Um, I felt like I had a second chance, and you know, to to be, to enjoy my time with my friends and all that stuff. Um, yeah. 
So let's shift gears for a second. <laughs> Sorry to no, that's keep such a downer. <laughs> Brothers. Yeah. So Sebastian and Joe, how, how does that work off the road and on the road and songwriting and dynamics? Um, I say they're quite similar on and off the road. Um, we spent the large part of our life, I guess, more or less living together or at least nearby. So I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, that's a big question, really, right? Well, yeah, how, I mean, we, what is life like? What is, well, <laughs> I'm a brother, so I know what it's like, yeah, but yeah, I just want to know. It's, like, well, yeah, we're really close, and we, we really, you know, it took us a long time to figure out how to really kind of work together and to really be able to, like, make some, you know, make some headway, you know? It's one thing, to, I guess, to be in a band with a brother. It's another thing to actually really be able to work with them, I think, and it took us a long time to figure that out. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I guess it's just really, it's really great to go through this with, with some blood. It's great. I mean, it'd be different if we were both guitar players or both singers, because it'd be like, yeah, we sure we'd be there, would, be, yeah. you know, we'd probably get in a lot more arguments, but it's great to have him be, you know. In the back, hidden away in the back of yep, the drums, exactly. he likes that. It's great to hide, hide him yeah. away in the back for me to be up front. James, do you feel comfortable being the, the only non-male brother in the, oh, there's, <laughs> there's a new member. Yeah, Farley, bass player. Okay, so there's two non-male brother members. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember I met Joe probably 11 years ago, and I remember Sebastian on the vineyard in your truck when you were like 16, I think. <laughs> so it's almost like might as well be a brother separated, not from the same household, but still by this point. Feels like brothers. Are you, you guys have played together for quite a while, so not extremely long, but you know, a sensible amount of time. Are you, like you, you've played in a lot of bands, you've toured for so long, I, something like two years straight, and now you're seeing the fruits of your success. How does that feel? It feels good. Uh, it feels really good. I mean, we wanted to keep working though. You know, like this, this is what now, we're totally entrenched in it and we love it and it's, it's our lifestyle. So, you know, if we're not on the road playing shows, we're, we're in, in the studio working on new songs. So it's. So that leads me to my next question, which is you're recording your next album in Berlin. Yeah. We've Parts done, of it. Yeah. Parts of it. Yeah. So far, we've done like six out of nine songs here. Um, I want to do more. We love it here. It's a great studio here. So. What, what's special? Is Berlin Channel some special energy for you on this record? Are we going to hear Berlin I think actually it's so that <laughs> next time we, we get interviewed, we don't have to answer the question of like whether it was a California influence. Record. Right, right. Because it sounds like California music, but we're making it in Berlin. So. Cool. And one of your songs was in a commercial. Mm -hmm. And um, from what I understand, it wasn't a so pleasant experience, or you, you didn't enjoy it being, seeing it constantly. Um, what are you talking about? The Advil commercial. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where you just you got to stick way, you know, what, like the pros and cons of every opportunity you of get. And so um, uh, we didn't really expect it to um, end up being what it ended up being. We just saw it as an opportunity, and it was so long ago that, you know, we were taking pretty much every opportunity we were handed. And we've seen, we've got, we've gotten like things before at the time where it's like, oh, your song's gonna be featured in this. And you're like, okay. And then you don't see it ever. So Yeah, we thought weird. maybe it'd be like online for like a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like all of a sudden it's on TV every day and everyone's, our parents are texting us and calling us being like, your song's on TV. And just, it became like, I mean, no band wants to ever be like the Advil commercial band. 
or you know just be to be known for that. I mean, you know, there's I'm sure everyone understands that it's there's it's complicated. Did you ever like take Advil and then? Just... I still do a lot. <laughs> Hangovers. Because it's great stuff. <laughs> Your music kind of um, we were talking about this earlier straddles a lot of kind of terrain. I think folk, pop, a little bit of country. Mm -hmm. So. As a band, I know that you're all into different music. I think one's into 80s hair metal. Maybe Jay-Z. When I was a very young, you know... <laughs> hair metal? <laughs> easy influence. Hair well, metal. I mean, that whole, don't, we'll talk about it. But, um. I'd love to talk about it now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, when I first picked up a guitar, it was during that age. It was, like, cool. you know, before grunge and all that stuff. So, though, you know, you turn on MTV, and that's what they were feeding you, so... What was your favorite 80s hair metal band? Mine was uh, Def Leppard. Well, I mean, I don't know if they, I mean, what, what did you say? Def Leppard? Def Leppard. Uh, yes, they had a, yeah. Um, when I, it, it was around the hysteria time, and yeah, obviously a bit rare, but around the same time, Poison, Guns N' Roses, all okay. that stuff, so. And one person's into classical, one person's into No Doubt, and there's another person, in, so where is it all, <laughs> how does it all How does that channel? always get in there? <laughs> how does it influence us? Is it all channeling different energy into the music? I guess so, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, we, we always tried to write a lot in the beginning, for sure. Just like the more songs you, we did, the more it would just be like you know, the process would become hashed out or, you know, influences would come through in different ways and we'd be able to like see that happen. If we'd only written like five songs, you know, who knows what, you know, whether we'd ever really be able to mix the, everything well. So the more songs we did, the more it became like, okay, this is what James is going to do with his guitar parts. This is what Chris, Chris is what Chris wants to do with his vocals or his keys. This is how Seth plays the drums. This is how I play guitar. It's just the way that you know that uh, it took a little while to, to, but we shifted into our into our positions. This is how a band is, right? Cool. Do you all kind of go off and listen to music separately, or is it something that you put on 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 uh, on the music before you play and? get into it together? Or? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's uh, music that we all listen to separately, and then there's, there's moments when we all listen together, like uh, after shows on the bus or in the van or however yeah. we're traveling, we'll, there's songs that we collectively love to hear together. I usually DJ pretty terrible music and then and make them listen to it, and then they usually put headphones on after that. Yes. Right, you know? Noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> all right. So there's stuff that you don't want to hear and vice versa, or... I'm sure that I play a lot of music they wouldn't want to listen to. <laughs> but I will say that at the same time, like I've learned a lot of music that I never would have, like you know, the music that Christine listens to, and you know, on down the line. So it's not. A, yeah. Turn them on to a, Sky Ferreira. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Great, she'll, great she'll, she'll play like all the top forty stuff for us, and and yeah. be like, wow, this is actually really cool. I was like, Joe, you got to hear this Miley song. He's like, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to like Miley. Oh, it's just so good. So you're converting. Oh, he was he was like adamant. And then he was like, this is like the best song I've ever heard. It's good. It's not a single either. So it wasn't like Wrecking Ball. Like a deep, deep cut. A deep cut. Do you remember the name? Probably not. Ruining for My Baby. Ruining for My Baby. Ruining for My Baby. Ruining for My Baby. It's actually, it's a legit song. Yeah. It's really good. Have you got any thoughts about like, it's probably a left field question, but any uh, artists that kind of have these well so called meltdowns in public, I guess, you know, like the Miley Cyrus thing, especially being an American artist, you see it so often these days. I think it's great press. Everyone's talking about it. I mean, there was, well, there was a couple of weeks, a couple of months there, it was just every, every, single, every, every single person you knew was talking about it. 
And, you know, I don't even know why, and I don't even know why they felt involved, but I think it makes people... I mean, the public meltdown, it's classic. People love it. What's your favorite public meltdown? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, I'm really enjoying Bieber right which now. Which one? Justin Bieber. You're enjoying the Justin Bieber. I think it's, you were in the funny. Vines, right? I, yeah, my yeah. sister saw her at Soup Plantation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, to, I'm going to go with Britney Spears. Britney's was great. That was a classic. That was a good one, the shaved head. That's a good one. Yeah. So you guys like are touring on a bus, I assume. So you kind of um, have to keep up to date. Do you just feel disconnected from the world sometimes? I mean, what are you doing as soon as you finish show, before show, are you watching? Um, How do you relax? Well, we, yeah, we listen to music and we hang out. I mean, you know, yeah, we haven't been touring on a bus for long at all. We were so used to being in a band and, and uh, trying to find a place to hang out and be quiet before the show. I like to I like to just like relax and have some quiet, but you know, everyone else has different like routines before we play, right? Yeah. Seb likes to you know exercise. Jamesy, you know, you know. what do you guys like to do before the show or in general? Before the show? Oh, you, oh, you know what I like to do, Joe? Which is what? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm like, do I? What do you like to do? It's no, we all we all like to get some space, some head space okay. after sound check. Have a food. drink and sing a song. Yeah, like an hour beforehand, we usually get together, and that's when we kind of start warming up and like feeling each other out, get seeing stressed. who needs a hug, seeing who needs to be chilled out. Yeah, maybe have a drink. Uh, argue about that kind set, of thing. Argue about the set. Argue list. about the set list. Yeah. Uh, wonder who is missing because someone usually <laughs> is. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. You guys have played with so many different bands as well. You know, like we're aware that you've played with uh, bands like Mumford and Sons, um, and uh, a few other bands. Atlas Genius is that mm -hmm. what their name is? Yeah, yeah. So you going from kind of sometimes many years ago support act and now headline act, and that transition must, you know, going back to the question, the fruits of your success, how that changes your perspective on where you are. Well, I mean, we've always been headlining since the very beginning. It's just depends the size of the you know the room we're playing in. Um, I mean, I, obviously, headlining a show is amazing because you get to have your own like you have add more, add more production to your stage show. You get to play for longer. Mm -hmm. You actually have fans who know your music. I mean, it's obvious. It's 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 every band's dream. So it's amazing that we were that we're even getting you know getting there. Um, but uh, opening up for other bands is. Really fun as well, though, because you get to, you know, especially bands that you admire. Yeah, you get to learn a lot from them, like musically or just like, you know, uh, like socially, kind of. Yeah, it's, it's a little less stressful too mm -hmm. when you're just kind of going up there and you just got to play for thirty or forty minutes, and you kind of. I think a lot of times it forces bands to kind of like narrow their, like you know. Like song selection, they try to just get to the gist of what they are, as opposed to trying to have like these like moods Moments. within their set, you know. Mm -hmm. So you kind of just get to kind of go up there and just be like, "Hey, this is who we are. See you later." And it's like you don't have to worry so much about it. Um, the pressure's off. You of reap it. the yeah. highs of get, playing in front of a excited crowd. Yeah, and, yeah. And you get to like get the, the small dressing room. You have to complain about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get treated really like like the opening band, like you don't matter. It's fun. That's the opening band syndrome. Yeah, yeah, it gives you some humility. You know, I mean, it's cool. great. So I saw that you guys are fans of, well, maybe you and Sebastian are fans of um, Evan Dando, or yeah. at least you're following him on Twitter. Is that right? Sure. 
So then I started to do a little bit of digging, Uh-oh. and I did find out that you have played with one of my favorite artists, Juliana Hatfield. Yeah. <laughs> what is the story? Backing vocals, drums? Is this yeah. Tell it. Favorites? She, she, <laughs> really? um, my sister used to play My Sister all the <laughs> really? time, and it was just one of the great pop tracks, so or at least I think. Um, Juliana Hatfield, how did that come about? Uh, well, when I moved to Boston right out of high school, I, I was in a band, uh, and we ended up going on tour with her and her group, The Sunbrows, mm-hmm. um, at the time, and, and we ended up hanging out and, and becoming really close, and she invited, she just basically stole my band, my little she brother. She stole your band? Well, just for the record. She okay. stole, she, but we, we, went, we went up to Vermont and recorded it. Oh, you know what? Um, our engineer, our live engineer, was in our, played yeah. the bass on that record. He's yeah, so so we so wow. we went and made a record yeah. with her, and we and we. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> but it was an amazing experience. I mean, like like you know, learning learning from that, that was she was she was such a great person for us to like you know learn yeah learn more about the industry and learn learn the process. So, sure. Yeah. Because Juliana and Evan and that whole crew mm-hmm. and it was like the mid '90s thing, and then yeah. Mr. Robinson blew up and. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when because he he his family has roots where Joe and I grew up. And we used to, when we were children, go over to the Dando's house and swim in their pool. And really? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Wow. And then when we grew up, Evan became a, like a rock star. And my older sister and all of her friends were like, like the cool, really cute girls. And like, they would, they would kind of always like, like hang out slash follow around Evan and his cool crowd. And I remember um, being at the county fair with them. And Evan kind of rolling up and being like, oh, I want to go on this ride. And like, <laughs> so it kind of cut in line with us. And then they kind of pushed me into the cage with him. And so I was sitting next to Evan Dando. <laughs> and I was like about four and a half feet tall with this like rock star guy. Because like, he's tall. He's a he big so. guy. He's, he's wearing like guy. his big leather sheepskin jacket yeah. with his big boots with like mm-hmm. a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And I was just like flipping upside down and so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think Evan's working on some new music. Um, so we talked about the fact that you're recording some parts of the album in Berlin as well. And what I think is really interesting is that Germany's become a big market for you, if not one of the biggest. And I even found out that it was top 20 in the German state of Bavaria. Where, like, you know, when bands kind of get successful and they kind of find their markets. And I think that's really interesting. So I'm not sure. I mean, we are not sure about it either. I mean, mm. it's still pretty new, new to us. So, yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's such a positive, amazing thing. So we, and we love being here. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, that's all I can say about it. Yeah. I mean, what do you have any thoughts on it? On the German state of Bavaria. I think it's pretty cool <laughs> b- for my father to send me to college and try to get me to do like a normal thing. And I'm like, nah, I'm in a band now. And he's Bavarian, and I get to come to Germany, and he gets to all the emails from his family over here saying how how great we are and how they saw this here and there and there. I'm like, see, Dad, like it's okay. I made, I made a good decision. <laughs> Do you speak German? Nine. Okay, nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to close the chat, but I want to finish up with one more question because I think it's a fun uh, story. Mm-hmm. If you can recall it or recount it, it would be great for the audience. Okay. Um, you met um, Aerosmith's front, front lead singer. Yeah. Um, Steven Tyler. Tyler. And I just think um, that story is, is awesome. Can you briefly 
outline exactly what took place? You met at a lawyer's office? It's a really long story, though. Just Only like <laughs> 10 minutes. Just a quick, quick... No, he, he, was, he was driving home with a friend of ours. Um, someone was working with him, and he, she put on our CD, and he flipped out. He was like, this is awesome, this is great. This is Mamas and Papas on Acid or whatever. Mamas and, then, and Papas on Acid. And so he, he, started, he, he took her phone and started texting me. And my phone was dead. I didn't, know, I didn't get any texts. Seb hands me the phone. We're on our way to Austin to a music festival, and... I get, on, I get on the phone and Steven Tyler's on the other line telling me how great our, our album is. <clears throat> and I, didn't, I couldn't believe it. I obviously couldn't. I was like, this is the really good Steven Tyler impersonator. It's like, he's amazing. Um, so then, yeah, the, like a week later, we were back home and we, and we went, into the, went into the office and, and we, he happened to be there and we hung out for a little bit and talked. And it was great. I mean, it was amazing to have someone like that you know, hear your music and have a positive reaction. It was, it was fun to meet him. He was really... Some good advice. And he was like, I just met Stevie Nicks or something. Uh, he just came from Mick Fleetwood's house. Oh, sorry, Naturally. Mick Fleetwood. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah, that's what these guys do. <laughs> awesome. So, um, two albums in, and I think it's uh, what I really, one of the questions I want to ask is what have you learnt the most? I think now coming into the third record, you've had all these incredible experiences that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So, what would you go into the third cycle now? knowing from, as a band as well, from everything that you've been through? Uh, that you just got to, I mean, that you just got to do whatever you, do your thing and do whatever mm -hmm. you want to do. Um, make the music you want to make. And then, you know, ultimately, ultimately you'll be happy about it. And, you know, kind of got to trust yourself, trust your own in instincts, I'd say. And then I think maybe that way you go home, go to sleep, happy. Yeah, what about you guys, James or Christina? What, what have you learned? Somehow it's just like, uh, you know, trying to make it new and not let any sort of success kind of influence you. You know, it's like, oh, well, this worked before, so we should kind of still do the same thing. It's like, you know, to keep challenging yourself in a creative way. And you can do that within the band as well, like as in the dynamic? of. I think it's important yeah. to uh, respect the dynamic kind of, and to flow with it. Uh, I think we, at the beginning of writing this record, we had to figure that out. And now it's, everything seems to be working out. Do you ever think that you'd be the type of band that's gonna, the dynamic might not flow in the direction that you want, and that things are gonna get super crazy successful, and then you know, the egos might get involved, or you guys have been together so long that everything's kind of solid now? Everything. Everything has just been flowing at a, a nice, constant level. I don't really see that changing. Yeah. Everything's kind of been very natural. It would so, be yeah. scary to, like, skyrocket to, like, a huge, you know, hit and then plummet. That would be... I mean, we've worked, like, really hard for a while and, mm -hmm. you know, chugged along, but, you know, at some level you see your friend's band, like, just blow up immediately, but then it, they could fall you know, at any moment. And I feel like we, are, we really like respect and appreciate, you know, every piece that comes our way that in our favor. Yeah, we do things the hard way and then yeah. we'll all stick together. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to finish up by asking you one last question. You, you mentioned that you follow Evan Danner on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Who else do you guys follow? Aaron Ooh. Paul from Breaking Bad. He's a fan. Because he He's tweeted fan at us. <laughs> and we're huge fans of his, show. his shows, his show. Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who else do we follow? Uh, lots of our friends' bands. Um, I think we follow a lot of people, right? Yeah. No, maybe? Kind of. I don't know. 
some radio stations here and there. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a good way to kind of keep in touch with uh, people who want to talk to us. It's like the best way to sure. communicate and also to, you know, kind of see what our friends are doing because a lot of them are on the road at the same time and you get to see where they are and you go, oh, we played there. Oh, that sucks, you know. You know, they have to play there tonight. <laughs> yeah, of course. Or just anything, you know. It's a good way to... What? <laughs> it's a good way to, you know, keep your... You're hissing at her. No, the microphone just keeps picking up my lap. Okay. <laughs> we misconstrued it. You weren't happy with her answer. That's okay. Oh. No, I, I, was <laughs> picturing, I was picturing some of the places that our friends could possibly I'm thinking be performing of, I'm tonight. thinking of I'm some right now. Okay. I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if my laugh's really loud. No, mine's going right into the microphone. Stop touching it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank we you. Thanks for having us. really, really enjoyed it and uh, really good to chat to you guys. And we wish you all the best for your next record and your touring as well. Thanks. Thank you so thank you. much. Thank you. Family of the Year.